0: Or even a God-fearing man at this point. Well, I, I, think, I think Nebuchadnezzar was the perfect person for him to choose. Because we're going to see that Nebuchadnezzar was really representative. If you were to pick you know, one, one uh, uh, a guy on the poster to represent the kingdoms of man, he, he would be it. He would be a, a really good choice, at least. And, uh, and so through the dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar, Uh, we were given disclosure as to what the the kingdoms of man are going to add up to ultimately apart from from God. And Nebuchadnezzar was really sort of, he was emblematic of that. And so it's very interesting that God gave him in particular uh, this dream. And then he brought somebody that, you know, a young man who he had conquered, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, like, so if Nebuchadnezzar was, was, was on the poster for, as the conqueror goes, as the conquests of man go, then Daniel would be on the poster as the conquered one, as the one who was a subject of, of, of that king. But yet, Daniel walked with God, Nebuchadnezzar didn't. And who did Nebuchadnezzar have to go to for help? To Daniel. It's kind of interesting, Right? Uh, That shows you right there. That shows you right there that the most magnificent of men, apart from God, aren't as magnificent as the lowliest of men with God. That's that's, that's what what that shows us. And so all of us can walk with God. We all have that potential. We're made, you know, we're made to to walk within the scope of what's unfolding and to marvel along the way at seeing God's plan, being this little, you know, a little, a little sliver off a sliver off a sliver, you know, of God's plan along the way. And uh, and then and then to 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 watch the show <laughs> and to and to look forward to how it's all going to come to, to fruition in in certainty. And so let's have a word of prayer here and we'll uh, we'll look at this a little bit today and I know it'll be of encouragement to you. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would use your word as only you can now. Uh, thank you for each person that's here. Uh, Lord, just uh, help them and encourage them uh, now as well. Uh, help us to be attentive, active thinkers uh, during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says here in verse uh, 37, it says, Thou, O King, art a king of kings. You are a king of kings. Now, he didn't say you are the king of kings, because that's going to come a little later. But you're a a king of kings. And so you're the choice uh, right now as as the one who would just kind of represent a king out of the kings. And that's uh, that's what's being being spoken of here. Now, we serve the, the king of kings. And... That's a pretty big thing to think of. You get one life to live. You have been given choice in the matter. You're not programmed. You're not robotic. It's not automatum. You're not set automatically on a course, right? We all recognize that, right? And let's say, as, as I assume, let's say you're here today and you have chosen to kind of, you know, put all of your stake in that one aspect of, of trusting that God is real and that his plan is going to unfold, and that, that's what you're going with 100%. That's quite a commitment. Uh, normally, I would say that's a lot to ask of somebody, <laughs> For a person, that would sure be a lot to ask. For, for a person to ask another, totally trust me your whole life and just live, you know, just for me. I mean, that's, that really would be too much to ask. I don't think anybody could really ask anybody that. But, but God, if he exists, and if this is his plan, then it makes total sense for us to, to go with that. And I believe 100% that it is. But I think God recognizes that, you know, because of the way that he made us, this isn't going to just be a blind shot in the dark thing for us. You know, that's not the way he set us up. He didn't set human beings up just to, you know, to to walk over a precipice. He he set us up to, to search it out, to ponder it, to think about it, to connect the pieces Reason with me, he says. Does this make sense? And if it indeed does make sense, then come with me all the way. Because I created you, I placed you here, and I have it all figured out forever. And that's a little bit of what he's showing us here. Um, And it is a lot to ask, but it's but it's his to ask, and it's ours to choose to respond. And so we have a king of kings, it says here. Nebuchadnezzar, the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. That's why, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not the king of kings. You're only a king of kings, and God has given that, that to you. Um, he has given you a kingdom, the power and the strength and, and the glory. And it says... Uh, uh, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, uh, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So you're looking at the image that you you dreamt about, Nebuchadnezzar, and as you're reminded, I'm telling you what the dream is now, God disclosed that to me, I'm reminding you what it was, and you can remember, can't you, that there was this, this image, there was this, as it were, a statue, and it had this head of gold. And, uh, uh, Neb, I'm telling you, you know, that uh, you're that head of gold. It represents you. Now, should this have produced pride or humility in Nebuchadnezzar? Well, think about this. Yes, on the one hand, he was the supreme head of gold in the image representing the kingdoms of man. But, on the other hand, remember this also, he was not even able to remember or interpret his own dream. (laughs) God had to help him with that. And secondly, it was forecasted here in the interpretation of this dream that his kingdom would be replaced with another. And so in the one one sense, he looks at it and says, wow, you know, (laughs) I'm a king of kings and and I'm the head of gold. That's something. But on the other hand, as he continued with the story, he had to think about the fact that his kingdom was going to be replaced. And that's coming right up. And then thirdly, it was forecasted that all of man's kingdoms, all them put together, would not be able to stand up uh, to the kingdom of the Messiah. And all of man's kingdoms will be obliterated by the stone, as it's called here, that was not made by hands. All of their kingdoms were going to be made by hands. And evidently, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he, if he did process this at this time, he had a pretty short memory about it. Because we're going to see pretty soon, on the heels of this, what is he doing? He's, I believe, kind of building a... a a replica of what he dreamed, and an image that was built to his honor as that, you know, uh, the golden king, and he was going to try to get everybody to bow down to that, right? And also, a little later on, we're going to see in detail that, uh, you know, he's going to look at the kingdom that he has, which was, humanly speaking, a great kingdom, it was the greatest kingdom that has ever been made by man. And, but he was going to think about how he made that and how it was just all the honor was due to his hands instead of the, the God that, that allowed him to have that. And we're going to see how that works out for him as well. And so the, 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 the lovers of power and prosperity, which human kings ultimately tend to be, The lovers of power and prosperity, this always leads to pride in their life. And pride, the Bible says, goes before what? It goes before a fall. It goes before a fall. And, you know, all of man's kingdoms, that's what they're ultimately going to represent. They're going to represent the prideful self-efforts of man, apart from God. And that's going to go to the ultimate fall. That the Messiah is going to uh, not only... Bring to light, but is going to replace, gloriously replace. He's going to be all the glory is going to go to the fact that you know what man could not do. Ultimately, uh, the Messiah does, and he provides for all of that and fulfills all that after man's shortcomings are, in the most drastic sense possible, are exposed. Um, and so, man apart from God cannot help going the way of pride, which leads him. Uh, to a fall. But nevertheless, in his time, Nebuchadnezzar was an absolute monarch, and uh, absolute in the sense he was sovereign. And the succeeding empires were progressively less so. We're going to see that in the, in the statue of the image here. Uh, you have the gold, and you have the silver, and you have the brass, and you have the iron, and you have the iron mixed with clay. And, uh, and, and so um, uh, some of those empires were larger and lasted longer than Babylon, but none held as much centralized power as Nebuchadnezzar uh, did. And uh, that's why he was the head of gold. All right, so as you read on, it says in verse 39, after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee. Inferior to thee, but he does replace his kingdom uh, by God's sovereignty. And so humanly speaking, you say, well, how, do, how does an inferior kingdom replace a uh, superior kingdom. Well, because ultimately God has the, the, the final say in the rules here on earth. And, uh, and His sovereignty uh, orchestrated that. And then it says, uh, shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things as iron that breaketh all these uh, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and, and, and toes, part of, part, part of clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, and there shall be, as, uh, as it were, of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. So subsequently you have four more kingdoms here represented. And do you know that Since the the fulfillment of these kingdoms in order, there's been many attempts. There's been many attempts at setting up world kingdoms that have failed over and over again. In other words, there was a certain, God ordained that there was going to be a certain number of world encompassing kingdoms, and that's it. Ultimately, there's going to be seven of them. And we'll see that even as we finish this message, but we'll see it more uh, um, developed as we go through the prophecy of, of Daniel. And the seventh kingdom, well, seven in the Bible is the number of completeness, isn't it? It's the number of fulfillment. It's, a, it's, a, it's the perfect number. It's the, it's the number of God. Six is the number of what? Of man. It's the number of that which is incomplete. God is meant to complete us, <laughs> But all these, you know, all these efforts of man are only gonna—they're only gonna add up to, to six at the most. You know, they're not gonna get to seven. They'll never get to seven because they're—they're they're, they're detached from God. And only with God, only with the Messiah, does it reach seven. And we'll see that—we'll uh, see that here. And so, what kingdoms have there been? Well, uh, after the the Babylonian worldwide kingdom was the Medes and, and, and the Persians. And uh, this was also a uh, monarch, but uh, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't, didn't have one sovereign king. It had many nobles that were equal to the king in all but, uh, but position. And so in a way it was, it was weaker. In fact, you'll see even in the book of Daniel, remember, that the king was subject to the law once it was the law was made, remember there was a decree passed and, and it ended up that that, that, uh, that Daniel broke the decree so he had to put him in the, in the, in the den there with the lions. And the, the king regretted it and wanted wanted to reverse the order but he couldn't, he was bound to it at that point. Well, Nebuchadnezzar would Nebuchadnezzar just be arbitrary? If he wanted to do it that day, yeah, if not, the next day, you know, he was sovereign in that sense where the weak, as it were, a weaker kingdom after in, in, in that way. So you can see that played out. Um, and then... Uh, 39b talks about uh, of the image of brass there. And uh, so the next worldwide kingdom that happened on earth, historically, in retrospect, was um, Alexander's uh, uh, the great, his Grecian empire, which was the largest among those compared in the image, um, and uh, as far as, uh, as, far as um, uh, the largest as far as what it encompassed. The, 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 the world as it was modern at that time, uh, except for the, the, the final government that we're going to look at today, the seventh government, and we'll look at that uh, um, as being the largest of all, right? Then in verse 40, it says, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. So what was the next, uh, the next worldwide empires that were? Well, it was the Roman Empire, right? Historically, we know that as the Roman Empire. That was the fourth worldwide kingdom. Strong as iron, uh, just very, it's very uh, military enforced. They're known for the strength and the conquest of their military, their military rule, uh, their martial law, as it were, on a perpetual uh, basis, and uh, very much the iron grip of, uh, of, of Rome throughout the whole world. And uh, so it's very aptly um, demonstrated by by the, uh, the, the that material of iron, all right? And then it talks in verse 41 about the iron mixed in clay. Now, there, there's, there's various thoughts about this. There's various, various thoughts about, you know, maybe that um, uh, through, the, through, the, uh, the, through Rome um, and kind of an extension of Rome that there's, there's a mixture of dominion throughout the earth something that might even be going on right now. Uh, a lot of biblical scholars think that's, that's a future thing to right now, where it's going to be sort of a reorganized um, Roman Empire with, with ten different leaders uh, to it. We'll look at some, some of those possibilities more in detail uh, through the prophecies of, of the future. But uh, regardless, this would, be, this would be a fifth, a fifth um, uh, worldwide government, as it were. All right? and uh, our way of governing and it seems like it's split into not just you know at this point it's not gonna be just one but a number of different factions that are that are uh running the world as it were and that one has been a little harder for, for the pinpoint as to whether it's actually happened or whether that's a future thing or not i, I wouldn't personally be dogmatic uh, on that even though I'm, i have my opinions which will come out more um, in future study all right but since the fall of the roman empire there has never been a world-dominating dom- empire equal to Rome. Um, the Huns have tried. Islam has tried. Uh, the Holy Roman Empire, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, they all had visions of worldwide con- uh, conquest. Why weren't they able to accomplish it ultimately? Because it wasn't according to God's plan. There's not going to be that many worldwide conquests. You know, Hitler should have been able to pull it off. He had the resources and... Uh, uh, he had the disposition, and everything was going his way. He had momentum. <laughs> but God mirac- miraculously intervened on that, and we're thankful for that. Uh, so these are the kingdoms of man. And apart from, from, uh, from, from God, the kingdoms of man, look what happens to them. It says down in verse uh, uh, 43, "...whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall be mingled themselves with the seed of men." But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So it's not a real cohesive, you know, worldwide uh, uh, dominion that's pictured there. In the days of these kings shall God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall be not left to other people. No one else is going to take over. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand, what's it say, forever. And that tells you right there, this kingdom is of God. It shall stand uh, forever. And that is the second, uh, the contrast of kingdoms. The kingdoms of man in their entirety contrasted with the kingdoms, oh sorry, the kingdom of the Messiah. The kingdom of the Messiah. Now, out of the spirit of the kingdoms of man, there comes what I'm going to call this morning a counterfeit messiah. A counterfeit Messiah will come on the scene before the true Messiah um, ends up having dominion here on earth. And it, it, the dominion is already his, but he'll assert himself uh, in that. And, uh, and so to see that, well, we're gonna, when we get to Daniel chapter 7, we'll, we'll study more about this counterfeit Messiah. But today, for the purposes of our message today, I want to go to, to uh, Revelation 13. Revelation 13. And so to, to, to fulfill, to sort of uh, get, squeeze the most potential out of this contrast of the kingdoms of man to the kingdoms of the Messiah, I want to add one more component to the kingdoms of man, and that's the, the, the counterfeit Messiah. The counterfeit Messiah is kind of the pinnacle or the epitome of what the kingdoms of man uh, produce. And... Uh, as they're joined with the greatest you know, spiritual force of wickedness that there is, and that's the dragon uh, himself as, it, as it's uh, described here. So let's go to, to Revelation 13. This is real interesting. And this, uh, this will happen. This is uh, part of the prophecy God has given us. It says, John, he's given disclosure here. It says, I stood upon the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rise out of the sea having heads uh, and, and ten horns, and upon his uh, horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of, of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his seat in great authority. And I saw one of his heads as a wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And so this... this, uh, this this vision that, that, that John has given, him, given here is representative of another ruler that's going to come uh, to bear, that's going to come on the scene. And uh, this ruler, the, the world's going to ooh and ah because he's going to get a mortal wound, but he's going to recover from that. All right? And they that worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And this, is, this is the most incre- incredible ruler that we could have ever foreseen. Who is like unto him? Nobody can be compared to him. And so they start to worship this ruler. And the ruler evidently accepts the worship. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given uh, him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Who gave him this power? The dragon. The devil gives him this power. Satan gives him this power. And, uh, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of uh, the life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that uh, leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of saints. The patience and faith of saints during that time is going to be tried like no other time uh, in human history. And this will be the believers. The, the, uh, the church has already been taken out. The believers now that have, that have come to the Lord during Uh, uh, what is called the the time of the Great Tribulation. This is going to be a part of it. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast thereof and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, when it comes to the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, who leads us to worship Jesus Christ? Well, the Holy Spirit does, right? The Holy Spirit. What you have here is you have a counterfeit Messiah who's accepting worship, right? And then you have a counterfeit Holy Spirit, as it were, not holy at all, of the devil, but a counterfeit spirit that's going to be leading people to worship the false Messiah. And then who do you have empowering all this? You have a counterfeit God, the dragon. You see it? That's the unholy trinity right there. The dragon, the counterfeit uh, God, um, the counterfeit spirit, and the counterfeit Messiah, this first beast that we see here that's going to rule the world, this this sixth world dominion, as we would call it, the epitome of the kingdoms of man. And and it says there, he doeth great wonders. People are going to be impressed. Now look at this, This Says verse 14, and deceiveth them, that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them, that dwell on earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which hath a wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had that mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of, of his name. So there's going to come a time where a person's going to have to choose either identify fully with this unholy trinity, or you won't be able to do business. You won't be able to, to in essence, survive in the, in the world economy at that time. And look at this. It says, here in his wisdom... Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a, what? A man. And the number is this. It is 600, three score, which is three times 20, so that's 60. 660 and what? Six. That's where we get the number 666. And so the unholy Trinity. What's it going to represent? Well, it's going to it's going to it's going to represent the epitome of that which is incomplete, <laughs> which falls short. All the efforts of the kingdom of man, the number of man, six, six, six. It's not an evil number in of itself, but what it represents here sure is. And so that's going to be uh, that's going to be what comes to pass. That is going to set the stage. It's going to set the stage because of the, of the deep darkness of that time for the full glory that the true Messiah is due. Against the darkest of backdrops, the brightest of lights is going to come back on the scene. And, uh, and so that's the kingdom of the Messiah, and that's what we'll close with here. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2, just as we conclude. Just get the fullness of, uh, of this, uh, the, 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 the picture here. Uh, at least to the degree that we want to to get into it uh, this morning. And so here in Daniel chapter 2, we pick it up in verse 35, the original uh, 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 telling of the dream, it says in verse 35, Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together become like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. The chaff, the, the summer, it's dry, the wind comes through, the summer wind just blows and just disperses it. And it says, the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. So the kingdoms of man are dispersed, never to be again. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so you have this stone not made by hands. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the rock. He is the one that's not made by by man. He's not man-made. He's deity. Gonna smite that image going to pulverize it, as it were. And uh, and then in verses down 44 to 45, uh, just looking at those again, it says, In these days of the kings, the days of man, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. There'll never be a subsequent administration. There'll never be another transfer of power. This will be Jesus Christ forever. His kingdom is no end. For as much as thou sawest, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. So three times, three times, this is 100%. The great God hath made known to the king, look at this, what shall come to pass? And then it says, the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Three times there. You can count on this happening. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be. And so the kingdom of man, apart from God, is ultimately, it's it's puny (laughs) and it's pulverized. The kingdom of Christ is paramount and perpetuated uh, forever. And uh, um, it's sure, and it's certain, and it's still, this is a remarkable thing. Over 2,000 years later, after this was written, it's still perfectly on course. It's still perfectly on course. And we can see it, can't we? You're paying attention today, it's still perfectly on course. What a wonderful encouragement it is. Aren't you happy you're a Christian? <laughs> Aren't you happy that you served the king of kings? And uh, his kingdom was without, and it's set. And the plan is it's set in concrete. Nothing, nothing's going to be able to change it. Nothing can change it. And uh, so just walk with him. Stick with him. Enjoy the process. Uh, marvel in his plan. And uh, if God before us, who can stand against us? Uh, be encouraged these days, Christian. God has given us everything we need to know to be successful in this one shot that we have, that we have at life here. And uh, I trust that, uh, that you're not trusting in the kingdoms of man, but in contrast you're trusting in the kingdom of the Messiah uh, today. Let's pray. Lord, just help us uh, now in this time of decision before you. And each person